Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church. <clears throat> well, um, news about Pastor John. I talked to him yesterday, and he's doing a lot better. He um, is continuing his therapy, and he's looking forward to coming back to the pulpit, which might be soon, maybe in two or three weeks. Um, and also, uh, he's, we're pretty much going to have... Uh, online uh, or Skype or something Thursday Bible study this week with Pastor John and that'll be Thursday I believe at 7 o'clock 6.30 okay 6.30 yeah it'll be posted on the website so check on that Um, you know the next day or two uh, Mark will put up a uh, notice about Thursday. So um, anyway, uh, Pastor is doing a lot better. He's getting stronger, going to therapy, and uh, actually walking with a cane a little bit now uh, at therapy. So, uh, you know, sounds really good. All right, well, let's open in prayer. Father, we come to you with thanks for the gift of eternal life. For all who believe in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Thank you for answering our prayers for Pastor John. We pray for his continued recovery, for his family, and blessings of health and prosperity on Lighthouse Bible Church and our congregation, families, and community. We pray for our country and for all people affected by this virus, for health care workers, essential service workers, and that a treatment will be developed. We pray also that people who are out of work will be able to return soon. Please bless all of us today and prepare our minds and hearts today as we seek to learn more about your plan and purpose for our life through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Also, Pastor wanted me to thank everyone for uh, the the cards and uh, well wishes and prayers, so thank you all for that. And... um, As you know, each month we feature a different missionary organization. Um, Of course, we're on a new month today. Uh, We encourage you to support this uh, organization any way you feel that you can. And um, this month it's uh, Village Ministries International. VMI is a non-denominational Christian ministry designed to take both the gospel and teaching of God's word to the people of the world. The target areas are villages and remote cities that ordinarily would not be exposed to missionary activity or Bible teaching. Please pray for this important ministry and support it as the Lord leads. You can donate by writing a check to VMI and mail it to us at LBC, and we'll include it when we mail the church uh, donation to them. Or you can donate on their website at uh, www.villageministries.org. And just uh, for your information, we will be doing the Lord's Supper today um, at the end of service. Okay, well, today we're going to continue in the book of Daniel that we started last week. Um, today we're going look to at, look at pride versus faith, the re-education of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel chapter 3 and 4. So open your Bibles today to Daniel chapter 3 and we'll pretty much be in there the the whole uh, lesson. Daniel 
So last week we looked at the first two chapters of the book of Daniel. We saw Daniel and his three friends as they were exiled from Jerusalem to the pagan land of Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. They were forced to learn the ways of the Chaldeans, which was a sect of Babylon, and had their faith tested in several ways. And we saw Daniel lead by example, keeping the Lord's commands, trusting God in great adversity, and demonstrating humility and gratitude to God for the blessings God provided, even in the midst of his trials and tribulations. We left off with Daniel revealing the king to King Nebuchadnezzar the meaning of the king's dream when no one else could and being promoted to a high leadership position in the province of Babylon. This was done through a revelation from God to Daniel after Daniel prayed to God for deliverance from the death sentence handed down from the king to all the wise men of Babylon. Today, we continue to follow Daniel and his three friends in their ongoing story, beginning in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, prefects, governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, uh, and all the rulers of all the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then... The herald proudly, loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. But, here's the big but, But whoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at that time, when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Well, in the last part of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had learned that there was a God that was more powerful than any other, as he was the only one that could reveal his dream. It seems he has already forgotten this now, and has built a statue of himself, the head of gold, and has commanded all to bow down and worship at the statue. Well, it doesn't really say that the statue was of him, but since he was revealed to be the head of gold in chapter 2, I think it's highly probable that he was seeking worship for himself, for himself <clears throat> or his pagan gods 
out of his arrogance. Well, arrogant people always want control over others and don't want anyone to have any control over them. Think Hitler, Stalin, and Satan for good examples. Well, once Daniel and his friends' faith, once again, Daniel and his friends' faith will be tested as God's command is not to worship any idols. Well, let's see what happens. And uh, continuing in chapter 3, verse 8. For this reason, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, has made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Then the king and these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, flute, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image I have made very well. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego show here that they have faith in their God, that he is able to deliver them from the king's wrath, and further, that even God does not, even if God does not see fit to deliver them, they will still obey God and not worship the idol the king has commanded. They are living their faith right here, literally putting their lives on the line to be true to their God. Each one had come to, his, to this decision in his own mind and decided to follow the example of Daniel in the face of this new adversity. So what's going to happen now? We'll find out in verse 19 and following. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with wrath, and his facial expression was altered toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He answered by giving orders to heat the furnace seven times more than it was normally heated. He commanded certain valiant warriors who were in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in order to cast them into the furnace of blazing fire. Then these men were tied up in their trousers, their coats, their caps, and their other clothes and were cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. For this reason, because of the king's command, was urgent and the furnace had been made extremely hot. The flame of the fire slew those men who carried up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So because the fire was extra hot, the men who carried them into the furnace were immediately consumed by the fire. Verse 23, But these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire, still tied up. Then... Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste and said to his high officials, Was it not three men we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. And he said, Hey, look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Well, the king saw four men in the fiery furnace walking around after his men had immediately been burned up. Looks like God delivered these men and shielded them from the fire. But who was the fourth man who looked like a son of the gods? Well, the King James translates the Hebrew word Elah as God, while the NASB translates it gods with a small g. Later, we'll see Nebuchadnezzar says, the God of Israel sent his angel to save these men. Well, since there could be no son of a pagan God delivering these men from the flames, and the Hebrew word Elah means God, not angel, then I would have to go with the King James on this one. That means the fourth man in the fire was none other than our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, protecting and delivering Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. So, continuing in verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the furnace of blazing fire. He responded and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Come out, you servants of the Most High God, and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the midst of the fire. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's high officials gathered around and saw in regard to these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men, nor was the hair of their head singed, nor were their trousers damaged, nor had the smell of fire even come upon them. But I guess maybe their uh, ropes that they were tied up with were burned up because they're walking around loose. Anyway, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, and yielded up their bodies so as not to serve or worship any god except their own god.
Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks anything offensive against God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. <clears throat> well, once again, Nebuchadnezzar sees proof that the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is no ordinary pagan God, but the true God of the universe. And as we see in Ephesians 3.20, the God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. So Nebuchadnezzar still doesn't get it, though. God doesn't want people to be forced to worship him under penalty of being torn limb from limb. This is uh, not faith, but slavery. God wants men to trust him of their own free will. Romans 8.21, that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In John chapter 8 and verse 31, John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Jesus didn't force anyone to believe him, just laid out the case for trusting in him and let the hearers choose. That's why our country was formed with freedom of religion. Our founders knew that throughout history, evil men had hijacked religion to control the people and force people to adhere to certain religious dogma or face brutal punishment, death, or banishment. In England in the 1500s, the government executed Roman Catholics and then Protestants, depending on who was in power. Around the same time, Catholicism became the law and the religion of France. And those not Catholics, such as the Huguenots, were subject to punishment or persecution unless they fled the country, which most of them did. Of course, we remember the Spanish Inquisition, which was famous for the persecution of Jews, Muslims, or anyone who spoke out against the Holy Catholic Church. Even today, there is rampant religious persecution, especially of but not limited to Christians and Jews all over the world, from the Middle East to Africa, China, and other places. Our God doesn't want to force anyone to believe in him, but according to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, we'll see what he really thinks about that. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4. He who desires all men to be saved to come to the knowledge of truth. How are they to do that? You know the answer. By grace through faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 30. Then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. And once again, these faithful men are blessed by God in the land of their exile. 
Well, it will continue now in chapter 4. Well, chapter 4 is full of twists and turns. So we'll, we'll see what happens here with ne- Mr. Nebuchadnezzar the king. See if he gets his, if he learns his lesson yet about there's only one God. So Nebuchadnezzar the king to all peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in the earth. May your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. It seems here that Nebuchadnezzar has learned his lesson and the the God of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, And Abednego, the God of the Jews, is praised by him for the blessings he has enjoyed because of God. He, Nebuchadnezzar, praises God for his signs and wonders and his everlasting kingdom. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see as we read on. Chapter 4 and verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house, flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream, and it made me fearful. And these fantasies, as I lay on my bed, and the visions of my mind kept alarming me. So I gave orders to bring into my presence all the wise men of Babylon, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the conjurers, and the Chaldeans, and the diviners came in, and I related the dream to them, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. But finally, Daniel came in before me, whose name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I related the dream to him, saying, O Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, since I know that a spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery baffles you, tell me the visions of my dream which I have seen, along with its interpretation." Well, what do you think about the king's understanding of the situation now? First, when he had the dream that made him fearful, he did the same thing as the last time. He called in the same magicians and conjurers that failed to be, produce good results last time. So what do, you, what do you call it when you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result? We all know what that is. <laughs> Insanity. Then he goes on to reveal his lack of understanding of the whole situation and saying he had changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar after his pagan god Bel. And now after several graphic demonstrations of the true god's power, he seems unable or unwilling to differentiate between the true god of Israel and the gods of his pagan heritage, which basically are just made up gods, made up by people. Maybe King Nebuchadnezzar needs to be hit over the head or something to get the message of the power of the true God. Let's see what happens as we continue this story in verse 10. Now these were the visions, this is Nebuchadnezzar talking. Now these were the visions in my mind as I lay on my bed. I was looking and behold there was a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong, and its height reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful, and its fruit abundant, 
and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. I was looking in the visions of my mind as I lay on my bed, and behold, an angelic watcher, a holy one, descended from heaven. He shouted out and spoke as follows, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts flee from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by decree of the angelic watchers, and and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whom he wishes, and sets over it the lowliest of men. This is the dream which I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, tell me its interpretation, inasmuch as none of the wise men of my kingdom is able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for a spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, whose name is Belteshazzar, was appalled for a while as his thoughts alarmed him. The king responded and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation alarm you. Belteshazzar replied, My lord, if only the dream applied to those who hate you and its interpretation to your adversaries. As Daniel begins to understand what this dream means for the king, he is warning the king, that this dream contains some potentially disturbing news for the king. Daniel's maybe thinking that the king's going to kill the messenger of bad news. So he kind of gives the king a heads up that this will not have a good result. Then he says he wishes these things on the king's enemies. After After all that, and with reassurance from the king, Daniel tells the meaning of the dream. In verse 20, Chapter 4, verse 20. The tree that you saw, which became large and grew strong, whose height reached to the sky and was visible to all the earth, and whose foliage was beautiful and fruit abundant, and in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the sky lodged. It is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great, and reach the sky and your dominion to the end of the earth. In that the king saw an angelic watcher, a holy one, descending from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it in the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts of the field until the seven periods of time pass over him. That's speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, what's going to happen to him. 
This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. Verse 25. That you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it upon whomever he wishes. So this is kind of like, uh, whoops. (laughs) This is kind of like being hit over the head, going from king of the world to eating grass and living with the beasts of the field. But God gives him hope for the future if he learns his lesson this time. In verse 26, And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. All this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. So there was his warning, Daniel's warning. Um, So 12 months later, he, King Nebuchadnezzar, was walking on the roof of his royal palace in Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as a royal residence, by the might of my power and the glory of my majesty. So even after this dire warning, Nebuchadnezzar still refuses to praise God for his blessings, but still in his pride and arrogance praises his own might and power for his own glory. Not a good choice for him that day and one he will definitely regret. Even though he must know this is coming, right? He was warned and even given a chance to change in verse 27. So, continuing in the story, in uh, Daniel 4, verse 31. While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you. And you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle. Seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whoever he wishes. Immediately, the word concerning concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. So he's crawling around in the field and eating grass with the, the beasts of the field. Verse 34. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my reason returned to me And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures 
from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true, and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. So it took stripping everything from Nebuchadnezzar to get him to understand that it is the Lord, the one God, that's in control of everything. Through the dreams Daniel interpreted for Nebuchadnezzar, coupled with his life experiences of the fiery furnace and his seven years of living as an animal, Nebuchadnezzar has been humbled by his creator enough to finally acknowledge there was a God sovereign over himself. In all these um, various historical and prophetic uses, it becomes clear that even a world ruler like Nebuchadnezzar can be used to accomplish the sovereign purposes of the Lord God in history, especially his judgment. Our God uses the life and lessons of Nebuchadnezzar to this day in order to change our own hearts which are constantly tempted to succumb to pride and arrogance. Through Nebuchadnezzar's life, we are brought face to face with our own mortality and human frailties. No matter how brilliant, successful, or godly we might be, God still reigns. We are not in control of the world and the events that happen. However, if God can use Nebuchadnezzar's life consumed with pride and destruction, he can surely use ours. God used the prophet Daniel to interpret the dream and deliver the warning and challenge to Nebuchadnezzar and explain the consequences of his arrogance. God demonstrated his awesome power through his deliverance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace ordeal and again proved that nothing is impossible with God. So... um, As we get ready to close the service today, we're going to uh, come together for the purpose of celebrating the Lord's Supper. Please take a minute to gather your elements and prepare. The purpose of this ritual is to remember our Lord Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for all mankind through his suffering, death on the cross, and resurrection. This sacrifice brings forgiveness of sin and eternal life for the, for the believer. This is something we must always be thankful for and never forget. Our Lord did this as a free gift from his grace out of love for mankind, and we are commanded to do this in remembrance of him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23.
I'll give you a minute to turn there if, uh, if you want to. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we'll eat the bread. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Drink the cup. So before we go today, if anyone has not yet believed in Christ as your personal Savior, now is the time to make that decision. John chapter 3, verse 13 through 18. We'll read that. Um, Jesus is talking here. And he says, No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God has made salvation so simple that all you have to do to receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life is believe that Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, was resurrected by God, and just trust in him as your Lord and Savior. Well, Lighthouse Bible Church, as you know, is a grace ministry and supported by gifts from believers who desire to support the teaching of God's word. We don't ask for pledges of money and we don't pass the plate. But our ministry does have needs, even in this time of online only. If God puts it on your heart to help support this ministry, please mail a check or donate online. And thank you all greatly for your generous donations, even in this time that we are unable to be together. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for allowing us to worship you and study your word today. And we ask that you bless us with your loving grace and answer our prayers as we leave today. We pray for the continued recovery of Pastor John and his family. Uh, We pray for our church family, our community, our country, and all who are suffering. 
We pray for everyone impacted by the virus that a solution and recovery will be swift and that we here as a church will be back together soon. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So have a good week and stay safe. Thank you.